Amen. Listen, we're going to get into this tonight. It's all jokes. 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going, to, we're going back. Listen, I'm not getting off these three chapters. There's so much meat, I need a year to teach it. This was revelation Paul wrote while in jail. Sometimes God has to lock you up to get something to you. Sometimes God has to take away your liberties and your freedom to get something to you that's necessary for liberty and freedom. I'll say it again. Sometimes God has to take away your freedom, your ability to choose a thing so that he can get something to you that is necessary to produce freedom in your life. Amen? Some of us are so sick in the mind, so unhealthy in our thinking, that the only way to get us back on track is to take away our options. And it may make God feel like he is being hard on you, but he's not. That's love that's doing that. Amen, somebody? Listen, he loves us, so he disciplines us. Correction is from the Lord. And so let's get into this. We're talking about some things, and I'm, I'm, I'm still laying foundation stuff. I'm try, guys, I'm trying to get to the individual. Uh, it's just so much foundation that, that I just can't override. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read 1 through 11, uh, Pastor Tim, when you're ready. Everybody ready? All right, let's uh, hang out. We need the microphone. We do that but just so that when you guys go back online... Uh, he's right here. Uh, we do that so that when we go back online that you guys can hear and follow along. How many go back to the sermons and listen to the sermons? Anybody going back to our website? Listen, they're there for you. Uh, there's a lot of people all over the place that's doing it, but specifically it's there for this house um, so that you can go back and kind of re-listen and um, meditate and marinate on these things. So there's a lot of things said. How many have went back and heard a sermon that something grabbed you and rocked your world and you don't know how you missed it when it was said when you were sitting here? Yeah. Go back and watch the tape. Do they say watch the tape no more? Go back and listen to the MP3. All right. All right, so we're going to get this. First Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 11. Let's read. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. All right, so big things here. Contextually, I just want to bring this up one more time. Number one, Paul is writing in a response. This is a response letter to a dialogue that we are not have access to. All right, everybody knows this has been the theology school. Paul is getting information through whomever he's getting information through about what's happening in the Corinth church. Paul is the apostolic leadership there. He birthed the Corinth church. Um, and so as Paul began to birth these and start these churches and start these movements, as the father of that, he would begin to set order. Now, Paul was called to apostolic work, so he could not remain in one region too long because his job was to plant churches. His job was to build people. It wasn't about just planting churches. I know a lot of denominations that that is their goal. Plant, 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 plant. When the goal of any apostolic voice is disciple, 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 disciple. It's not about, you can go get a 501c3 and start a church tomorrow in your home. That doesn't mean it's a church. Discipleship is proof of church. And the growing people in the spirit world is, is, is what we need to be doing. And Paul was committed to that. And so what we have here is Paul responding to a letter that he had already 
been reading concerning the condition of this church. So notice that he first starts out. And watch what he says there. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. In other words, it is very important to understand. Paul is already aware that they are trying to operate in spiritual gifts. But what he is completely sold on is they are doing it from ignorance. No debate. He's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant because what I... Well, I'm gathering from what's being told to me. What y'all are doing, this is a mess. This ain't God, and I'm going to correct this. And he spends the next three chapters correcting this dysfunction that is happening in the Corinth church. Now, it may seem like, how did they get so dysfunctional? I don't know why that seems so hard for people to believe. You can find it in the church next door. People get weird as it relates to spiritual giftings. Why? Because they don't learn the number one thing, and that is to ultimately follow the Spirit and allow love to be cultivated in your heart. An unloving people is a people that cannot be used the way that God wants to use you. Until love completely impregnates our being, we are going to be cut off from certain depths and measures as it relates to how the giftings of the Holy Spirit are meant to operate in the lives of people. Amen. Whatever your gift is, if it does not flow from love, it's not building the kingdom. I'll say it again. Whatever your gift is, if it does not flow from love, it's not building the kingdom. If you're impatient with your gift, you've not been fully grown in love. If you're the type of person that's mad because you don't feel like so-and-so's letting your gift be used, that's because you're not patient. Why? Because you're not fully grown in love. The first attribute of love is patience. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Why is Paul saying all this? Everything that he says about love in 1 Corinthians 13 is a response to what they are not doing in the Corinth church. He's telling them exactly what you're supposed to look like if you're doing it right, and they're not doing it right. So if he's saying love is patient, why? It's because what he's seeing in that church is no patience. No kindness, no love. Everybody keeping records of wrongs. Everybody holding a history against each other. Everybody everybody trying to get out in the forefront. People wanting to be seen. People being proudful and boastful and envy and all these things. So Paul's trying to say, none of that looks like God. So I need to get that. Before we get to the gifting, I need to make sure the foundation of love is seen for what it truly is. Then we'll get to the gifting part. Amen, somebody. Because your gift... Even though we start them usually with thus saith God, typically it's thus saith us in the name of God. A lot of times what we call thus saith God isn't God directly speaking to you. It's your perceptions about what you think or how you view God concerning an individual. And if you do not become mature in love, notice Paul said, if I speak in tongues and if I prophesy mysteries and have far faith to move mountains, and he said, but don't have love. Notice he said this. He said, I am nothing. It's so heavy. He said, if I don't have love, he didn't say everything I'm saying is fruitless. He says, I am nothing. Love is meant to change me, not my gift. Your gift gets better when you get better. <laughs> Amen, somebody. I am nothing. All Paul's concerned about, he don't, he, he don't mind if you prophesy. He just wants you to do it from, from identity. Wants you to know who you are in Christ because once you know who you are in Christ, you stop competing with so and so. 
You stop trying to compare yourself to comparing is the dumbest thing that we do as individuals anyway. Well, I'm, I'm so I'm this age now and I'm looking at other people my age and they already got this degree and this type of money and this type of car. Who cares? Rather than think about the car that they got and the degree that they got. Maybe maybe you're missing it. Maybe what they're sitting up worrying about right now is all the student loans they got from the degree that they got. The car note that they got because maybe they don't have the money to pay for it. Maybe they're sitting there trying to be like the Joneses and they're suffocating under this financial nonsense and you're the free one. You don't know. You can't compare yourself. Why? Because your journey is different. We are not all. Listen, life is not like a race, a race to where we all start at the same line, y'all. We all start somewhere different. And with different tools and with different upbringings and with different things, you can never compare yourself. It is a waste of time. Focus on the journey God's got you on. Amen. So what? They made it at 20. You still going to make it? Just keep, I'm going to wait on you. Just keep doing what God said to do. Amen, somebody. Maybe God is making you wait to see the fullness of your destiny so it can encourage somebody who's been missing it. For a long time and feel like God is done with them now because they're too old. Maybe God wants to use you as a testimony and say, look, how many follow Joyce Meyer? This woman's all over the world. She's the biggest female evangelist on the planet, y'all. She was in her 40s when she got saved. She started older. I didn't say old. She started older. And look what God is doing. Surrender Heart could do more in a year with God than 20 years of playing around. <sighs> Amen, somebody. Okay, so let's get into this. Watch this. Let's, let's read, Pastor Tim. Let's go all the way down here. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were a pagan. Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Everybody say this, God... Works the gift. That's something we got to get tonight before we move any farther. God works the gift. He worketh all of them as he pleases. You know, depending on the gift, you can tell what you're called to by how God speaks to you. It's a, it's a tell. It's a tell. You'll be able to discover the gift that God has called you to walk in by just examining the way or the method God speaks to you. But that requires a relationship. And God speaks to everybody different. God speaks to everybody. Some people aren't like David to where they can encourage themselves. They absolutely need somebody to call them. <laughs> they do. Some it's very listen, I'm not saying that you can't learn it, but I'm saying just your natural disposition 
Some people find it very hard to encourage themselves when they're fighting an attack that is designed to keep them depressed. And they're going to be like that until somebody uses their gift of encouragement to break open that stuff. What does that tell you? Maybe you're called to encouragement. You should not only hear God, but analyze what you hear, how you hear it. This okay? Y'all catching this? Analyze the voice of the Father. Don't just, it's not just, God doesn't just want to speak a thing and you do a thing. You can learn a lot by what is happening, how it's happening, when it's happening. You can analyze your relationship with the Father. And God will take you through several different pathways of revelation off of one simple command. Man. Whew. It's just, it's just, it's, we got to get this. I mean, God will use things that we use. I mean, Moses, he's standing there and the guy throws down a stick and it becomes a serpent. Well, Moses happened to have a stick. The guy said, throw it down and it becomes a serpent and he eats this counterfeit. Eats it. But God used what was already in his hand, what was already something he used in an everyday circumstance. Why did he have a staff? He probably had a walking issue. Maybe his weakness was there. Maybe there was an affirmity there that the stick helped out. Some things we pray for, God will allow to remain just to teach us a revelation of what's to come. You don't believe me? Paul said that he prayed earnestly and fasted. God, remove this thorn from my flesh. God's answer came back and said, what? No, 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 I'm going to leave it there. Why? Because I got a purpose for this thing. You're better off with a little weakness. Why? Because it helps you trust better, helps you believe better, helps you walk in faith better, helps you need people more, helps you not get drowned in your own isolation. Come on, somebody. This thorn is serving my purpose. Quit asking for me to remove it. And quit saying it was Satan. Maybe I'm the one to put the thorn there. I'm the one to use this thorn. My son died with thorns on his head. I put a ram in the thorn bush. Come on now. Your weakness don't scare God and it don't change your relationship with him. It makes it stronger. It's a good place to say amen for grace. Hallelujah. Real perfection in the kingdom isn't without flaws. Real perfection is divine trust. Woo! Come on now. You want to be perfected in love? It's divine trust. That's your posture. It doesn't mean you're going to walk with no flaws. When you grow in the kingdom, the best position you can have is a place of trust and surrender. You can do more with that than you can working on every deficiency you have. How many times do I got to say it? The Christian life isn't about trying. It's about trusting. Man. All right, it feels good in here. I can feel you all pulling. Well, let's go. You know, I can feel you all when I'm teaching. I can feel when you, when you desire it. I can feel when you're hungry for it. It pulls. Stuff that ain't here, you guys draw out of the well. You know. 
I wish you would tell me that, though, before I spend all this time on this stuff. <laughs> you guys promised me you'll be hungry next week. I'm, I'm coming from one scripture. <laughs> all right, Pastor, let's finish. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Yeah. To another, the message of knowledge by the means by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Okay, let's just stop here. I'm going to, for, for the sake of time here. So here's what I want to get to you in this whole entire chapter. This is the beauty of the chapter. These are Spirit gifts. Every gift that you flow in is a spirit gift. In other words, it comes from our relationship with the spirit. Whether we know this or not, not everybody's spiritual. We live in a world full of carnality. We live in a world where people do not know God. We live in a world where people cannot understand the things of God. As a matter of fact, when you're born again and you start speaking from a new dimension, a new world that you're born from, you start sounding crazy to people. Why? Because you're born from a different world. How many seen the Chronicles of Narnia? Remember when that little girl went in that closet and tried to come back and convince them that there's something in the closet, there's another world? It's another world in there. It was like, quit, quit. They couldn't believe her. They couldn't believe her. Until they was playing hide and seek, a simple game. There was no place, and then they wanted from this mean nurse, somebody mean, chasing these little kids. The only place to get away from the danger was the secret place. It's another world. And all of a sudden, all the psychotic, crazy thoughts that they had for this little girl, it shut everybody up. Because they was now all existing in the same world. <laughs> when you're born again, you are born, literally born from a new world. And the rest of your Christian life is to get familiar with it. The Christian life isn't about trying to adapt to this world, man. We're leaving this thing behind and going to another dimension of living. And our life is hidden in him. If we reach the world, it's simply because what we're doing, God is using as a symbol for them to be able to peer into this dimension and then crave it. Because the thing about the kingdom is you can't play peekaboo. Because once you see it, you crave it. And there's no going back. <laughs> there's no going back. Once you see it, oh, it draws me, it compels me, it pulls me. Man. This is the kingdom. All spiritual gifts really are is the language we're learning from this world. And we're just coming into this other, this old way of thinking with what we've learned here. And it just translates as gifts. That's all it is. On this side, they call it gifts. Over here, we call it home. It's home to us here. It's giftings to them there. Why? Because they don't understand how we know this stuff. But if they would just open their eyes, they would realize that it's not us that knows anything. 
All it is is the Father revealing to us the intentions of people here. Revealing the secrets that lie within the hearts of the person. It's not to glorify us. Come on, somebody. Man. So I want to say spirit gifts. So look at here, John 14, 16. Let's get into this a little bit deeper. We're going back to the words of Jesus here. John 14, verse 16. Let's, let's read. Watch what Jesus says. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. <laughs> anointed. Who's saying that, Tim? It's John. Look at that. Watch, watch this. Go back. I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper. The, the Greek word there, parakleto. You know what it means? That's what the word helper there means. Parakleto. This is what I wrote down. I, I think and, and it's, it's, it's imperative that we get it in this order. Parakleto first means counselor. Then it means comforter. That makes a lot of sense when the counsel was probably something you not wanted to hear. It makes a lot of sense. Because we're not, we're not just engaging some, some new age type spirit that's going to tell you everything that you want to hear. His main job is to remind you of what Jesus already said. Do you hear me? This is what's happening. This is why Jesus spoke in parables a lot, because he was trying to stir up a mystery world inside of the spirits of men. But he was making sure that they was puzzled enough while walking with him to where it built belief. But then when he left, the Holy Spirit was going to come and bring understanding to the parable. He was trying. It was a relay race. He was doing his job. To bring you to a place of belief, to open up your understanding, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to lead you into what all of this means. Yes, 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 come on now. This is how it happened. Jesus will whet your appetite. The Holy Spirit will completely fulfill it. Like everything that you've ever needed to understand is through the Spirit. Jesus wasn't the very, listen, read the Gospels, y'all. They would ask him simple questions. He would never answer the doggone question. Never. Why? Because he wanted you in mystery. He wanted you in mystery. He needed you hungry. He needed you in search mode. That's how the spirit world works. I need you in search mode. I need you making sure you got your spiritual Google going on. You're going, I I want you looking. I want you searching. I want you seeking. I want you knocking. This is everything in the scriptures. Knock and the door will be open. Come on, seek and you will find. He's trying to keep you in that position. Only an offended heart wants answers now. An answer you're not ready for will hurt you. Answers in the kingdom are heavy. You bear them. You don't hear them. You bear them. They're weighty. There's more things I want to say, but you cannot bear them now. He didn't say you couldn't hear them. He could have just spit it out irresponsibly. But he didn't do that. Every word he said was intentional. Oh, this is good stuff tonight. 
you bear them, you bear them. And so we, we, we got this, this paracletos going on here to where he's the counselor first. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans here. I'm, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm asking the Father to send him. Paracletos. And he's going to come. And he's going to change your life by counsel first. And he's going to comfort you. <laughs> I'm about to preach myself. Listen, I will run tonight. I swear. No, don't tempt me. Shawnee would say that. You think I'm playing? I'll do a lap. White people don't shout, we run. The Paracletos will counsel me first. How do you get your life back in order? Counsel. What gives you the courage to do it? Comfort. Yeah. Counsel without comfort is dangerous. Comfort without counsel is dangerous. They come together. It's the paracletos. Everybody speak Greek. Say paracletos. Look at that. You're already speaking Greek. Paracletos. Any truth that changes us requires both counsel and comfort. It's Christmas time. This isn't really even close to the time Jesus was born. We don't know specifically, but it's the time of the year we choose to celebrate. And what's important that we celebrate it. I don't get caught up over the stuff that don't matter. But it's Christmas time. The angel didn't show up to Mary and just say, call him Emmanuel. First of all, when God shows up, it'll scare the mess out of you. Y'all, I remember when I first got married to my wife. Listen, this woman scared me. I thought Beelzebub was in my condo. Listen to me. First of all, I'm, I'm married to a beautiful black woman. I'm trying to figure out why what I'm looking at come down the hallway is a complete white mask with a hoodie on. Y'all, I couldn't even speak. I was like, I'm telling you, <laughs> my demon alert was like, what is in my crib? That is, I don't know who that is. That is not your son. Listen to me. I didn't know what that was coming at me. <laughs> Ask her about it. I rebuked that makeup. <laughs> what am I trying to say? You experienced something supernatural. That's no wonder the angel said, fear not. Because <laughs> it, it can be scary. It can be fearful. Because comfort has to come with counsel. Say, here's what you're going to call them, but fear not. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. They belong together if truth is going to be present. Why? Because truth is going to rearrange your life. Did you hear me? He, Jesus is saying here that the comforter's coming, y'all. And it's going to rearrange you. There's things some of you have put your affections in that is so opposite from the direction God is trying to lead you. He's calling you way over here and you still tripping over something that is so stupid. Way over here. Yes, I'll use the term. It's stupid. If you've seen your purpose, you would call it stupid. He's trying to get you way over here. 
Is you over here struggling with this. Because your attention and your affections are not where they... And no wonder it's hard for you to worship for real. Because once we start singing these songs and it, it stops becoming just something we read on the screen and a, a nice melody and it starts to become something our spirit man is connected with, the Holy Spirit starts rearranging. He starts dealing with affections. He starts dealing with the heart. He starts dealing with the mind. He starts dealing with things that he's trying to readjust in your life. And no wonder it's so easy for us to not want to really go all the way into the presence of the Lord. Or to engage at that level. Why? Because we're not really ready to surrender the things that we are dealing with over here. That's where the Holy Spirit is. Now you want in spirit to talk about spiritual gifts. I can't do it if you're ducking the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. I can't teach you how to prophesy without ducking the... If you're going to duck the Holy Spirit. If you're not going to follow his plan... If you're not going to listen to his voice, what are we doing? There's a lot of churches you can go and hide at. Pick one. There's 20 of them on Seven Mile. Troy got more churches than any city in the world. You can go hide in a congregation. But if you're serious about operating in who God called you to be, you got to quit running. Y'all get quiet when you start talking about that stuff? Why? Because your gift is directly connected to your relationship with the Spirit. They're called Spirit gifts. Ooh. The danger of walking in a gift without the Spirit. No, I've heard people say the gifts are without repentance. You know what that Greek word for repentance means? They're irrevocable. That's what it means. The gifts are irrevocable. You can arrive at a place where they're not useful. Let me say that again. Let's just put some real sound doctrine real quick. If you're not following the spirit, I don't care how gifted you are. And we'll say, well, I can live like hell and God's still going to use him. He can use a jackass if he wants. He did it in scripture. Come on, somebody. God's going to get his will, but that's not how that works. We don't just, well, I'm gifted, so I'm going to, I'm just going to operate in that gift without searching the Holy Spirit or seeking the Holy Spirit or have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That ain't, listen, that's dangerous. So one of the few places in the New Testament where we see the wrath of God poured out. In Acts, where we see Ananias and Sapphira come up to Peter, and they had just sold property. They just sold property. And the church was coming, and they was giving to establish the work of the kingdom. If you don't know, let me just break this religious bubble. It takes money to do ministry. It takes money to do ministry. Listen, man. <laughs> got to pay the bills i know listen <laughs> i know the heat ain't on right now but uh it ain't our fault it takes money to do ministry it takes finances to do ministry finances to 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 do the things that we want to do i want i want to open so much stuff up in this city that's dealing with 
to with, with people that don't have a place to live. We want I want to man, do you guys know if I could share with you the vision that is in my heart right now. I'm just waiting for the resources to catch up to get there. But a boy's home and a girl's home that we can raise them with Christian values and, and be able to do for people and help people and and and, and children and an and addiction recovery place that's all centered in the kingdom, y'all. That's all centered in the kingdom. I mean, to where we, we completely take over the city. But it, it needs resources. So Peter's there and Ananias and Sapphira and Acts come up and they give. It wasn't nowhere near what they were supposed to. And Peter called them out. He said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. They fell down dead, y'all. Him and his wife. Both of them. It wasn't about the amount they gave. It's about them lying to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit told them to give a certain amount and they did not do it. And it was so critical at that point in the early church because the church just got started. It needed to have the resources to be able to do what God had planned for it to do. And they lied to the spirit and they fell down dead, the Bible says. That's in the new covenant under grace. I know that seems harsh, but my point is lying to the spirit is a dangerous thing. We're not talking about lying to Pastor Gail or Pastor Shawnee. We're talking about lying to the Holy Spirit. Somebody who already knows everything that took place. You're trying to deceive God. That takes a very dark heart. Everybody said this giving is proof I've conquered greed. They lied to the Holy Spirit. These are spirit gifts. What am, I, what am I trying to accomplish tonight here? I need you to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. It's everything. He's thinking about you all the time. He's not just navigating you. He's navigating God. The Bible says he searches the depth of God concerning you. Listen to me. He, he, he is at the same time all up in my mess, searching me, helping me discover, discover. Because most of the truth that you need is already there. You have to uncover it. He's helping you discover all this stuff and at the same time is searching the depth of God. He is relationally connected there and here at the same time, and he's working. He is for you 100%. The Holy Spirit is for you. He is real. He is for you 100%. The first initial steps. Hang on one second. I'm not there yet. First initial steps of the Holy Spirit is scary because it's meant to realign. But once you get past that initial steps, what happens then, listen to me, y'all, is you'll start seeing everything that he meant to come into your life start to happen. 
What that does is it starts building your confidence in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then all other worldly counsel starts to minimize and you start putting trust in what the Spirit's saying. Why? Because you're seeing it work. Many of us have not got past the alignment steps. So we haven't seen the harvest stuff yet. Because we, we're struggling with taking the, re, the stuff that's meant to counsel us. To get us out of the mess. To get us out of the pain. To get us out of our head. To get us out of depression. We're, 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 we're so scared to, to, to stop talking to that person because the Holy Spirit said it. Because we don't know where it's going to lead. If I leave them alone, how am I going to function? I, they make me feel a certain way. How am I going to, if I'm all by myself, how am I going to encourage myself? You're so scared you're talking yourself out of following just these small steps that are meant to free you. Oh, you'll never conquer what you do not confront. But if you can get past the alignment stages, the next one are harvest stages. The book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit was given, was given in Acts 2, and it was on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is 50 days after the law was given. Jews celebrated every year. Right around June 5th, somewhere in there. They celebrate it every year. It's part of the part of the, the, the festivals of the Jewish holidays. We don't get caught up in that because it all pointed to a reality in Christ. But it's important that when the law was given, that was on the day of Pentecost. That was 50 days after the Passover, when they was in Egypt. And so they celebrate it. 50 days after. It's funny, after Jesus resurrected, 50 days after, they're in Acts 2 up in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit was given. On the day of Pentecost, the law, the first voice of God was given. After Passover, Passover was just symbolic of, of, of death passing over because the blood was on the doorpost. Now Jesus, the true Lamb of God, died. He is the door. Bled 50 days after his resurrection, they're all up there and the Holy Spirit's given. Not the law, but the true word of the Lord. Yes. Yes. The Holy Spirit comes and he brings life and then they come out and they, they're speaking in tongues. Not like what we speak in tongues. There is a spiritual speaking in tongues that we'll get to. But they were speaking in actual other languages. If like If there's somebody there that spoke a different language... They was actually speaking different languages, and it, it put everybody in that environment in awe. They said, what is going on? Are these people drunk? And Peter said, no, it's too early for that. <laughs> Not that I'm going to have a sip later. <laughs> it's too early for that right now. I added the last part. But he did. that's exactly what he said. It's too early for that. He said, it's, it's just it's midday. That's what he said. And all of a sudden, they, they, they see this working. And Peter gets up and he says, watch this. He says, this is what Joel prophesied. That in the last days, funny that he called the last days then. Maybe it was the last days of the law. Not the world. And come to school for that stuff. But he says, this is the last days what Joel prophesied. He said, your sons and your daughters, sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams. Your young men will have visions. Did y'all catch it? Old men will have dreams. Young men will have visions. Sons and your daughters will prophesy. Watch this. I, I got about five minutes to, watch, to, to get to this next part. Everybody say sons and daughters 
Okay, Acts 2, just 38 real quick. Famous scripture, especially in the apostolic uh, circles here. I want, I want to get this to you here. Really important. Acts 2, 38. Watch this. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right there. What's stopping your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Maybe it's a lack of repentance. How come I can't flow in the gifts? Because you have no relationship with the Spirit. How come? Because you're not repenting. He just said, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, and you will be given the power of the Spirit. There's a formula to this. The Holy Spirit isn't just loose, petty cash that he just throws out without responsibility. The Holy Spirit is the most valuable thing in all of creation. And there has to be a certain standard that we live. We've lost the standard in the body of Christ today. You want to flow in the gifts? Strengthen your spirit life. How do you strengthen that? Start by metanoia, the Greek word repent. Start changing your mind. You know, that word actually comes from the Hebrew word Torah, which actually means to return to home. Real repentance is changing your mind, but it's really returning back to home. That's really what it is. That's really what it is. Amen, somebody. So just real quick, 1 Corinthians 14, Pastor Tim. We're going to fly through this here. Y'all still with me? Give me two and a half minutes plus ten. I'm kidding. Two and a half. I'm good. We start it when he starts. So go. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Okay. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. I'm going to be dealing with prophecy this coming week. Especially prophecy. All right. We're going to prophesy tonight for a second. But especially prophecy. Someone said, well, I'm not called to prophecy. Yes, you are. You're not called to the office of a prophet, but you're called to prophecy. We're going to get into the difference between offices and giftings. There's a difference. Doesn't mean you're a prophet because you prophesy. Amen? All right. So let's, 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 let's get in this. What are the difference? Oh, man, I, guys, I'm, I'm loaded. An office can't enter and exit a thing. When you are an office called prophet, it is in your DNA. It's the way you hear, it's the way you feel, it's the way you see. It's in, it, it, I mean, it is, there's no shake in this thing. It's not a light switch that you turn on or turn off. It's always on. Office called prophets usually, and I, I'm just throwing this out here, this isn't doctrine. You have, usually have a hard time sleeping through the night. Anywhere from 2 a.m. to 5 in the morning. You wake up, it's not because you have to go to the bathroom. It's because your spirit man is talking. It's communicating. And your mind wants you to engage it so it wakes you up. Anybody ever had those moments? Yeah? Come on now. It's not spooky stuff, it's spiritual stuff. My wife tell I get up at all times in the night. Some of it's because I do have to use the bathroom. But at least one of those is typically because I can't shut my mind or my spirit off. I actually, a week ago, started trying to go to sleep 
Well, my kids got this thing on the weekends now to where they, they want to sleep downstairs on the carpet. They get every doggone pillow and blanket in the house, and they build a little pad, and it's dad, daddy and daughter thing. I got to sleep on the couch. They got to sleep there because I'm the protector. Like the locks on the door ain't going to work. You know, like the little dog ain't going to let. But I got to be down there. And so that ruined that. But I've done this thing that I've been trying to do um, because we have a guest bedroom, so I, a lot of times I go sleep in the guest bedroom because my wife kicks at night. She's all over the place. It, it is me. Um, can I please come back to the bedroom? I just, please. Okay, I, I love you. She done got comfortable, y'all. You don't need no king-size bed for you. So, excuse me, rabbit trail. But I start shutting the TV off at night, sleeping in black in the dark, because I noticed that what would happen when I was sleeping is I would start absorbing what was on the TV, and I would wake up mad or irritated about something. And I would wake up like, man, and I would think, what was on TV all night? Because you don't know what your, your spirit man is eating at all times. Your body rests, your spirit man is alert. And I'm just eating that stuff, and it's just absorbing it. And I wake up feeling crazy sometimes, you know. And so I started sleeping, but I had to realize that a part of me not getting at rest is my, it's because of what I'm office called to. It's my spirit man's alert. You guys are on my spirit at all times. There's times I wake up middle night, and I'll, I'll talk to Shawnee, or we'll have conversations about some of y'all. Man, you talk to so-and-so, what's going on with so-and-so? And sure, sure enough, in the morning, we'll get a phone call. Or something's happened. Or my wife's come to me. She said, baby, I had a crazy dream about so-and-so. And that person, I'm not kidding you, they would call like at 8 in the morning. I'm like, oh, God. It's God. It's not coincidental. It's God. It's the part of the calling in the office that she flows in. So we're going to get into all that next week. But I want to just finish this last part here. And then I'm going to let you go here. Anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to men. But God, indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. Let's continue. Go down to verse uh, 15, just real quick. I want to I specifically talk to something. This is setting this up for next week. Has this been all right tonight? So what shall I do? I pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Verse 16. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving since he does not know what you are saying? Pick it up, Pastor Tim, for me. Verse 17. You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law it is written... Through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues, then, are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. Keep that in your spirit, man. Prophecy is for believers. Let's continue. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that, You are out of your mind. Uh. 
But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. And the secrets of his heart will be laid bare, so he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Okay, verse 29. Watch this here. This is what I'm trying to get to. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. That's important. Now, we're not dealing with the office of the prophet. Y'all ready for this? I know I've said two and a half minutes, but in the kingdom, that translates to about seven minutes. The days is a thousand years. I don't know. But listen, two or three prophets, watch this. Look what he said. Two or three prophets should prophesy. Go back there. Yep. And others should carefully weigh what is said. This is dealing with the spiritual gift of prophecy. Paul was using the spiritual gift of prophecy as a tool to edify the body of Christ. Right? It doesn't mean that what you're saying necessarily has to reveal the secrets of all men's hearts. Okay? It means that what you're doing is edifying. When you are growing in the spiritual prophecy, you need to, this is, and this is what this is for the next two weeks. This is a learning session. How many seen the the movie Doctor uh, Strange? Y'all see that? We're in the mirror dimension right now. What the mirror dimension is, is where you can practice your gift without the outside world being affected. (laughs) I'm a movie head. That's what it is. That's what we do. You can practice your gift. You can practice on me. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you not to encourage me. I promise you. And if you miss it, who cares? You're not hurting me. I want you to learn how to prophesy. Paul said, earnestly desire these gifts. I'm not telling you to walk up and say, ah, I see a boy about this size, said the Lord, and he's got this. and this, you know, That ain't what I'm saying. That's office stuff. Don't do that. But learning how to prophesy is imperative. It could be as simple. It could be as simple as, I've noticed you've, I've, I, I assisted on that. Anybody else? Anybody, I, I could just, somebody raise your hand. Need a word. Right here. Mitch. Man, listen, watch it. And this is probably, I don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. I could say, man, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness, your commitment, your loving. You got a, a heart to serve people. I wouldn't be where I am without you. Thank you for your prayers, your commitments. I love what God is doing with you. And I hope that, I hope that anything that's on my life can serve the purpose the way that your purpose has served me. Bam. That simple. That's how that works. Boom. Come on, somebody. It's real simple. Come here, Shawnee. Just real quick. This, this actually is pretty easy to do when you love people. That's why it all flows from love.